Good to see you all this morning. I'm so glad that you all are here. Hey, it's good to be back together after a couple of weeks. You know, um, a lot of our visitors, we have some visitors with us this morning, and you all may not know that during the, this, this year, because Christmas fell on a Sunday, so the whole church had one service instead of its three or four services, and then New Year's Eve, I mean New Year's Day fell on a Sunday, and we just didn't figure our crowd would be interested in getting up in the morning on New Year's Day and, and joining. So again, we had one service over at the main building, and so uh, it's literally been three weeks since we've been back together, and so glad to have you all online with us as well, and so I'm going to invite you all while I'm chattering to um, fill, out, fill out your little cards there or go online. You can scan the code there and go online and register. Please do the same online as well. If you have an offering that you'd like to do online, you can do it there. You can also do it up here in the crowd if you want to or um, online as well, either way. I'm just trying to find my notes for this morning because I'm going to forget it, but here they are. All right. Technology worked again. Um, so, it's, it's Epiphany. It's the first season of the Christian year. It's actually the beginning of the Christian year as far as Christian tradition goes, which is interesting, and I'll talk about that in a little while. But um, the one thing I want to make sure that you know about is that we have a couple opportunities coming up that I would invite you to be a part of. I heard this interest, I read this interesting article in The Atlantic uh, today, actually, this morning. And it wouldn't be surprising, it was about the new epidemic that we're dealing with. And it's not biological, it's interpersonal. Loneliness and depression is on a, is on a massive increase. It's a, a massive incline in the, in the sense of loneliness and in the sense of depression. And it doesn't, it's not confusing, it makes sense. I mean, we've come through this pandemic, we're a year and a half now, kind of back in person to speak even though that's been very slow in the process. And we've noticed a lot of folks kind of still out of the habit of getting back into communities, out of the habit of getting back into church, or out of the habit of getting back into small groups. And so what we find is we also find that this reality kind of created a new hab habitual pattern. And so folks are, folks are feeling more lonely. Now, we may not be feeling that in here, and it's great to see everyone in here. There's actually scientific proof, scientific studies that show being present in crowds and experiencing music together, experiencing words together, experiencing just being present together, creates a sense of awe that you may not be aware of. You might just subtly feel it, and sometimes you feel it enough that you actually want to come up and tell me about it. But that reality is actually changing your biology. It's actually helping you and strengthening your immune system. So I like to tell people online, I realize some of you can't be with us, but being together is good for your health. It's actually good for your, for your uh, neurology. So, so good to see you all here again. But the reason I said that is because Tuesday, I'm, we have a group that meets at Winehouse. We used to meet on Monday night. Now we're meeting on Tuesday night because they, they're closed on Monday night. We have a group that's meeting there. And it, can, it moves anywhere from five people to 12 or 15 people. But I want to invite you to come and join us. I'm going to provide a little more structure to it over the next few weeks to try to kind of encourage some conversations around some of the stuff we're dealing with. And um, it'd be a great place to get together. And if you like wine or beer, you can do that, of course. There's some great meeting space upstairs. And then if you don't, we have other things as well. So invite you there, invite you online to join us on Tuesdays, 7 o'clock at Winehouse, off of Park Hill, Park Hill, off of 8th Avenue, okay? Park Place, yes. Thank you. 
and join us there. Um, there'll be some other stuff that are coming up. Also, if you go in the back table or if you scan that code at the bottom of the bulletin, there's lots of really amazing, fun opportunities for volunteering, both in here every Sunday or in another capacity with this group or with other volunteer opportunities with the church as, as a whole. So I invite you to be a part of that. Also, please go to this address online. Just search it at first. Go, go search 1111FW. Just search it. Now, you see it at the top of the line. It will say 1111 downtown. If you don't want to do that, you can go directly to it by going to fumcfw.org slash 1111FW. <laughs> but if you just search 111FW, you get there. Okay, four ones, FW, you get there. The reason why I say that is because I don't know how many of you actually get the blog these days. I know there's several hundred that read the blog, but I always look at you and talk to you afterwards and just like, I didn't get that. I don't know what you're talking about. So I send it out every week. It's always talking about what we're doing in here. It also gives you a chance to catch up on other things that are opportunities for you to do, as well as take a look at the website. So go to the webpage, scroll down. It says subscribe. And do that. Like us on Facebook. That's another place to do it. Always invite us to try to stay connected with social media. All right. So I'm so glad that we're getting together again and that we're having this opportunity. You came on a great day because it's not only the first day, our first Sunday of Epiphany. It is also my annual re-gifting day. <laughs> now, I didn't bring things for everyone. But that's not the point of it. Because this is about Epiphany. This is about connecting with one another with who we are at our core in ways that suddenly someone else sees themselves, right? Or you see someone else and suddenly you see yourself and you find some inspiration. So I'm giving things away that I've gone around my house or my office and said, I really love that. And I'm going to give it away, right? Because I'm, I'm too attached, so I want to give stuff away that I like or that's, some of it's expensive and I'm still going to give, don't tell my wife. And I'm sorry that you're online and you can't do this. You can email me and see if I have an extra one. <laughs> but anyway, I'm so glad that you're here for that as well and for um, this service this morning. Listen, we have um, Brad Thompson who's been with us for a long time. Some of you all read this on Facebook and know about this. Brad lost his father this week. His father passed away after dealing with, uh, uh, with Alzheimer's and some health issues for some time. Parkinson's disease. Parkinson's, I'm sorry. Probably 15 years. Wow, yeah. So I just want you to know that, that we love you and that we reach out and hope we're, we want to embrace you and with our compassion and our concern. And we're just here for you. Thank you. Yeah. Brad's been a great part of this community for the longest time. We were visiting it early in the week and uh, we're just kind of looking at the moments at that point and then uh, got the word that night. So I'm glad that you're here, though. Thanks. We also have Bird Snake with us this morning. Bird Snake Brown. Some of you all remember Mike Brown, our bass player. That's his son there. Chris is how he goes. It's also his name. But isn't it cool to call him Bird Snake? Yeah. So, all right. Everybody calls you Bird Snake. All right. Well, it's good to have you. Nice to see you all here. Let's begin with our welcome candle and then our song. Where is Where? Oh, there she is. Okay. Light our candles. Good morning. Come, 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 come whoever, whoever you are, you are wanderer, wanderer worshiper, worshiper, lover of leaving, 
Ours is not matter. Ours is not a caravan of despair. Come, even if you've broken your vows a thousand times, come yet again. I am following the river down the highway through the cradle of the Civil War. I'm going to Greaseland, Greaseland, Memphis, Tennessee. I'm going to Greaseland. Poor boys and pilgrims with families, we are going to Greaseland. My traveling companion is nine years old. He is the child of my first marriage. I'm a reason to believe we both will be received in Graceland. She comes back to tell me that she's gone. As if I didn't know, as if I didn't know my own bed. As if I'd never noticed the way she brushed her hair beforehand. And she said, Losing love is like a window in your heart. Everybody sees you blown apart. Everybody sees a window. I'm going to Graceland, Graceland, Memphis, Tennessee. I'm going to Graceland. Pilgrims with families, we are going to Graceland. My traveling companions, ghosts and empty sockets. I'm looking at ghosts and empties. But I've reason to believe we all will be received in Graceland. And there's a girl in New York City. Cause herself to human trampoline. Sometimes when I'm falling, flying, or tumbling in turmoil, I say, whoa. So this is what she means. She means we're bouncing in the Graceland. And I say, losing love is like a window in your heart. Everybody sees you blown apart. Everybody feels the window. Oh, in Graceland, Graceland. I'm going to Graceland. For reasons I cannot explain, there's some part of me wants to see Graceland. I may be obliged to defend every love, every ending. Maybe there's no obligations now. Maybe I have a reason to believe we all will be received to Graceland.
Graceland, Graceland, I'm going to Graceland. Eleven Eleven downtown, I want to ask you to stand and sing with us right now, would you please? And this is the perfect time to bring your offering up here to the table. This is Wake Up. This is Eleven Eleven classic right here. Lyrics are on the screen. Join us right now, here we go. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. I started with the chorus. Here we go. Wake up, the dawn is near. Wake up, cast off all your fears. Whatever haunts your dreams. We'll leave beside these streets. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. The dawn is here. Verse 2. The past is a memory. The next thing is a mystery. From different roads we came Yet somehow it's all the same Horse, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up The dawn is here First, this life it's a storybook right now, if we only look, yeah, we'll see the pages turning. We'll feel our spirits burning. Snake, come on. Let's sing another verse. Wake up, for now is your time. Wake up, joy is ours to find. And beauty waits to be discovered As every day stone is uncovered All right. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up 
dawn is here. Another chorus. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. The dawn is here. original right there. Would you guys take just a moment and offer one another a sign of peace? I'll invite you guys to take a seat. So, um, y'all have a seat, and um, so again, we're gonna. This is this is actually kind of the storytelling moment of the service because this regifting thing that I do is not just. I mean, it's silly and it's fun, and sometimes it turns out to be quite funny, and other times it's just like, oh, that's interesting. But it really has a point to the message today and to this whole idea of waking up in this in the epiphany. And epiphany literally is, is about waking up. It's in addition to being the representation, the time that we remember that Jesus as an infant was revealed to the wise men. That's the tradition that uh, that's when, you know, we celebrate their discovery. But the idea of epiphany is seeing the sacred in our midst. Now we also talk about epiphanies and insights and sort of sudden connections that we didn't know before. But this idea of epiphany, if you if you separate your, your need to kind of make things separate, 
if you separate your needs to sort of make God out there and everything that happens out there is how I hold it safely for me, and then you start to realize, no, but it's God in here, that's risky. It's dangerous. I mean, it's kind of risky because that means we're participating in the sacredness that is in the reality around us. We're literally the light of the world kind of stuff, right? But then you start realizing, well, epiphany is sacred all the time, that it's always, in, that those moments are always ready to happen. So for me to do this is a little risky because I'm not just trying to be kitschy and just give away stuff, but I'm actually trying to think in terms of what do I find passionate that's been meaningful to me? It's been a part of my journey in life. It's been a part of my own spiritual journey or part of my whatever, my life journey, and that I really don't want to let go of because it's important to me. I need to give it away. But I need to give it to somebody who was also, when I suggest it, has this sense of epiphany. Oh, that's something I've always been thinking about. Or that's something I think I would really enjoy pursuing or exploring. So some of it may speak to some of you. Some of it may speak to several of you at the same time. And then I'm in a terrible predicament. So I apologize. Forgive me. Because I won't see all of you at once and can't have all of you have the same thing at once. And then some of you um, might not see anything at all. That's okay. But I hope what you'll do is that in the process that you literally will connect with what is gracious and good and kind, just as in our story this morning when God looks down on John baptizing Jesus and says, this is good. This pleases me. So that when we see someone make connections, we ought to always be saying, this is good. This is really pleasing to see this. All right, so the first thing, Lynn and I took seminary courses together, and one of the things we took was the parallel gospel study, where we first learned for the first time, wait, there's multiple versions of the same story in the New Testament, in the gospels. They don't all tell the same story the same way. They don't all even tell the same story. In fact, some of them are quite different. This is such a great resource and such a fun resource because it's both academic, it's scholarly, but it's also easy enough to read, and it lines up the different Gospels in parallel fashion. So you can make comparisons and see how they differ and where they're the same. And you can begin to ask yourself, I wonder why that's there that way. So it's a parallel Gospel. We call it the synopsis of the four Gospels. Who would like to go into a deeper place? Really? Already got? All right. See, that's what I'm talking about. She is now going to dig into spiritual, her spiritual journey in a different way, in a deeper way. Don't give it back to me until you've really looked at it. <laughs> that's right. Okay, now, here's something else. Okay, wait a minute. No. Because clearly that defeats the purpose. <laughs> Well, they wouldn't want to trade it anyway, right? Because they've made a connection. Sorry, this is the spirit talking here. Okay. Um, all right, here's something else. This, this is just, I just, it's just a, a whim. This is my collection of, this was my first book when I, many of you know that I traveled around the country after being a minister for 12 years in, in different churches, Methodist churches. I felt a call to go into traveling around the country as a storyteller and as a musician and performed in schools all over the country and in Ireland and Canada and elsewhere. And I did that for 25 years. The very first book I picked up in order to start learning how to tell stories and to find material was by a, a wonderful author by the name of Jane Yolen. Some of you might know that name. She's a great author, children's author, but also adult writer. Um, this was Favorite Folk Tales from Around the World. She was nodding before I even finished my sentence. 
She like recognized this. And it's, a, and it's a new copy I've had for 15 years that I didn't touch. You don't want to see the one that I did touch because it's like torn up, dog-eared and all that kind of stuff. All right. Um, now, this is a little bit different here. What we do here in 1111 is, um, oops, I, somewhere it's missing. What we do here in 1111 oftentimes, we, we, begin our wor- we begin our prayer time with some reflection and um, with a meditation when I started going to hospitals, I started picking up these singing bowls, and I would use them working with kids in hospitals dealing with cancer, anxious, feeling uh, uh, you know, worried or fearful, and I, would, and I would teach them how to do this, which it doesn't do it well because I don't have the right stick here. I have the stick, and I left it in my office, so I'm sorry. But you can also you know, ring it. The, the idea of the singing bowl is to help you focus. It's literally just to help you find a space and to be present in that space. So, I, Pat, I saw your hand go up. You really want this. Okay. You need it. Okay. Well, I'll get you the stick. Okay. Here, you'll need that to set the bowl on. Okay. I don't want to take up too much time with this, but... Um, um, I have some other stuff, but I'll, I'll just do a couple more things here. Um, all right, come on, folks. This is, this is, sounds like I'm doing an auction. Okay, now, folks, here's what we have. We have a hamburger. Um, it's a juggling burger. Somebody in here is wanting to learn how to juggle. I haven't done it in a long time. Really? You, Jesse, you want to learn how to... Well, he knows how to juggle. That's right. I know he knows how to juggle. Who wants to learn how to juggle? Yes, really. You'd like, okay. All right. Rhonda? What's really fun about this, of course, obviously, is that this is one of those moments you get to surprise people because from a distance, it looks like you're just picking up a burger and you're juggling a burger. So you pass that along. It is very good for focus, good for coordination, very frustrating. All right, lastly but not leastly, um, two things. I guess, well, I get two more things. All right, this thing. This is a tongue drum, and this is what this belongs to. Folks, this was the first tongue drum I ever had that I took around the country, and I played this with kids. Your hand went up first. You want to play this? You want to play with this? Okay. You know what I love, though? Here's what I love. Um, that people want to play with stuff like this. <laughs> oh, your ki- pre-kindergarten class. Absolutely perfect then. Yes, all right, perfect, okay. All right, the last thing is, um, now this, I'm not gonna, I'll do this later on another date. Um, and this one needs to stay up here for just a minute. People, this book is troubling. And, and it's just a thought exercise. And it's on a different way of thinking about spirituality, a different way about thinking about God, a different way about thinking about who we are in relationship to the sacred. And it's got a lot of new thinking, new thoughts in here. And so the book is entitled, K wants it. <laughs> All right, it's entitled, It Spooks. And, um, and it's really thinking about what it is that we're called to be about in this world when we have a hard time putting our finger on who it is that's doing the calling. Ah, Okay. Pass this back to Kay. All right. All right, I'm, I'm going to uh, invite um, um, DeAndrea. <laughs> I'm going to invite DeAndrea to come up.
And uh, this is for DeAndrea because she never picked it up two weeks ago. <laughs> Thank y'all. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know what? I think we should do that. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm still catching up. We're going to sing a hymn first, y'all, an actual hymn. Let's go. Please join us. Words are on the screen. Come and find the quiet center in the crowded life we lead. Find the room for hope to We'll sing verse 2. As we move into this Kairos time, I invite us to follow the words of the song that we just said and to be still and to be present. So let us close your eyes if you're comfortable with that. If not, let's just be at peace for a few moments. Breathe deeply together, and then we will move into our time of prayer. In these moments, as we are still, we hear a siren, which means that someone is going to help somebody else. We hear one another breathing, which reminds us that we are together. We hear so many things that will not stop within our own heads that tell us we need to finish that list or do those dishes or call that person. 
that we try our best to quiet that so that we can be present. It is true we can find the holy wherever we are, but it is also true that in community, O oh God, that is where we find one another. And within one another, we find you. So in this space today, as we breathe deeply, as we listen more fully, and as we feel whatever it is that we feel in these moments, may we realize that we are not an island in of ourselves. We are a part of something so much larger and called to be together where we are not just stronger as a group, but as we care for one another, both within this room and most importantly, outside of these walls. So may we be present and may we also open ourselves to that which is holy within our world so that all that we encounter and all that we do may become sacred spaces where love and light and peace and grace can be extended so that love might be found eternal. We pray these things in the name of the one in whom we live and move and have our being. Thank you, DeAndrea. Um, I, I'm going to read this text to you first and then um, share just for about uh, 10, 15 minutes at the most. Um, you know, one of the things that I want to do more and more with this group, realizing where we are now, as I kind of looked at the last year and a half, the last year, 2022, a lot of us probably did a little reflection. A lot of us may have been glad to, we thought we were glad when 2021 finally was gone and we got into 2022 and now I'm thinking some of us are probably thinking we're glad 2022 is gone now we're kind of looking forward to what's next but the reality is is that we don't change the reality of our being present in our spaces never changes unless we intentionally do that and one of the ways that I think we do that is what I've often called a spiritual practice which is the day-to-day moment-to-moment sort of sort of applying these kinds of ideas to our actual encounters to our moments and it's really hard it's really hard the other day i was sitting my my wife and i we've been married for 45 years uh, okay 40 i think for 40 we've been married for 45 years anyway <laughs> i don't i don't think she's watching so that's good um <laughs> but we've been married a long time and you know what's interesting to me is i i, re, I gifted last year the 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 negativity some of y'all saw the negativity in the last blog post i sent out and two two blog posts before and it was just all the little characters of the nativity and they're all frowning and scowling including little baby jesus and my 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 granddaughter was like what are they mad about and i was like well that's a really good question i'm not sure why they'd be angry and then of course i wrote about it and uh, reflected on what that might mean and it's just tongue in cheek right it's just playful and somebody picked it up last year they wanted that at the regifting thing and then this last month gave it back to me <laughs> and so i told linda i said well i think i'm going to take it back and i'm going to give it back again and see if anybody else wants it and then linda looked at me and said i want it now y'all that know linda would know that's really out of character for her and I just dropped my mouth. I looked at her and I said, 45 years and I'm still discovering things about you. You're still surprising me. So that's, we're really invited to be present to the moment rather than to sort of st to hold to it or attach to it concretely. 
And that's challenging in all of our relationships, but it's also challenging in our relationship with ourselves and our relationship with our space that we find ourselves in. So that's really what this is about. I want to do more of that and, and hopefully less, less and less of the uh, sort of everything around preaching and you all standing here and, and are sitting here and staring at me. I really want us to have things to grab hold of that we can participate in changing our world and in changing the world around us. So that when Vicki Paycheck, who is sitting here, and, and we start getting our teams together this next couple of weeks to work at Taste Project, for example, that more and more of you will want to sign up and be a part of that, volunteering at that uh, pay-as-you-can uh, uh, restaurant for, for, both, for everyone for those without resources as well as those with resources. It's a great restaurant if you haven't been there. And then other opportunities as well. So here's our text. comes from Matthew 3, verse 13 through 17. We all know, a lot of us know this story. We always hear it around this time of year. Jesus then appeared, arriving in the Jordan River from Galilee. He wanted John to baptize him. John objected and said, I'm the one who needs to be baptized, not you. But Jesus insisted, do it. God's work, putting things right in all these centuries, is coming together right now in this baptism. So John did it. The moment Jesus came up out of the baptismal waters, the skies opened up, and he saw God's Spirit. It looked like a dove descending and landing on him, and along with the Spirit, a voice. This is my Son, chosen and marked by my love, the delight of my life. So I want to think with you about this idea of what it means to experience this, this sacredness, literally celebrating our presence in the world. How do we participate in that? And if you, I, I know a lot of you watching online, and I know some of you in here, and, and, and thinking about Brad as well today, a lot of us have experienced a lot of challenges over the last year, losses of loved ones, as well as loss of jobs, or just loss of a way of life. Um, we've just experienced challenges. Or we've got ongoing challenges that we just have to deal with all the time. And, and I think for us, the challenge is to stop seeing it as a challenge. The challenge is to live into it as an invitation. But it's hard to do that. I get that. It's incredibly hard to do that. But I want to suggest that what if all the disappointment of the previous year, for those of us who have experienced some, or all the frustration for those of us who have experienced some, or all of the anxiety for those of us who still experience some of that, what I want to suggest is that rather than hoping that 2023 gets any better, or that something better happens for us in 23, what if it boils down to us suddenly recognizing that what we are doing is we're failing to really hear our lover? And what I mean by that is you, me, the source of our being, our lover. And it's a very contemplative, mystical way of understanding who we are in relationship to God. But when God looks down at what's happened here between Jesus and John, it's more than just acknowledging, oh, here's now the new empire. This is now Jesus going to take over things. John was a big radical, and John was kind of stirring up a lot of trouble. But now Jesus has taken over, so new order, Jesus is now in charge. Instead of seeing it dualistically like that, because that's how we see everything, and then we take sides, right? We kind of line up, this is our God versus your God, this is how we are supposed to understand Jesus versus this. What if, in fact, what Jesus did is what he's always been doing in these stories? He's flipping the script, and he's saying, instead of you, baptize, me baptizing you because I'm the power, you baptize me because I'm just like you. Because 
I need to be affirmed by you. Wait, wait, wait. This is God. This is the sacredness. This is Emmanuel, God with us. And God with us is saying, I need you to verify, to validate me. John suddenly realizes he's in a whole new reality. That's what it means to pay attention to our lover, the lover within, the one that doesn't really love that much all the time, the one that doesn't always acknowledge what we tend to beat ourselves up more often than not. We tend to get mad. We tend to control because things aren't going the way that we'd like them to go. We're not really loving this deep lover within us. And so everybody else experiences that too. You see how that works. The idea that John baptizes Jesus and it becomes this whole, I mean, that, yeah, John baptizes Jesus, it becomes this whole new way of understanding the relationship of the divine with the human, with the, with the sacral or with the ordinary, is this idea that it flips and it suddenly says, wait, you've been here all along. The divine has been here all along. John, you need to baptize me. And then God looks down and God says, this is great. This is amazing. I'm really pleased with this. It's easy to see it dualistically. I understand that because that's the way it was written 2,000 years ago. But I'm inviting you to see it much more non-dually, much more interconnectedly. Because dualism only does one thing. It keeps us separate. Seeing things as either or only does one thing. It defines people in boxes, defines our realities in boxes. And it makes it really hard to see the magic in the moment. Only when we start to recognize and actually practice that, oh yeah, we're, about, we're that light, we're that joy, we're that love in the midst of this stuff. And God is saying, I'm really delighted in all of this. Why do you have such a hard time figuring this out for yourselves? That's really what this baptism is all about. What it reminds us to keep in mind. Let's see this first slide coming up here. So we talk about epiphany as being sort of an awakening sort of seeing things anew for the first time. This is an old image that's been around since the 1800s of suddenly realizing, oh, there's something else beyond that. When we start to realize through quantum physics, I don't know how many of you saw that we're, we're participating in our Christmas Eve service and Lance Marshall, our senior pastor, talked about the Pulitzer Prize, the Nobel, P, the Nobel Prize that was won for physics and talked about non-locality that we've understood as around. Einstein called it spooky action at a distance, this idea that you can have a particle over here, this subatomic particle here doing something, and then suddenly if you split it, the other part of it somewhere else, it could be miles away, it could be on the other side of the planet, suddenly reacts and does something too, does the same thing. They have a, a simultaneous reaction at a distance. How is that even possible? Now, it's still theoretical, in the sense that we don't know why it happens, but now these three scientists, these three physicists, actually proved it does happen. It actually happens. It's no longer just a theory. It happens. Why? Well, we're still trying to figure out, you know, everything about life. You know, the 90% the, the, the of what we don't know out there in space that's dark matter. But what we do know is that when we approach things from a place of unknowing, we discover. When we approach our places from a place of humility and less from control or defining or defending, we find something else there that we didn't think. Now, what do we call that? I call it an epiphany. I call it a sudden recognition that there's something connective here that's better than the moment when it was divisive, that's better than the moment when it was separated. Because now we've made a connection. We've discovered something. 
So seeing the world not as we are, as Ananias Nin would say. Let's see that next one. Ananias Nin, the author and philosopher. We don't see the world as it is. We see it as we are. Seth Godin, some of you all know Seth Godin or have read some of his stuff. He's a great sort of business guru, communications guru, kind of an independent spirit that's written a lot of books that made a huge difference for a lot of folks in entrepreneurialism and such. But what he said once was he said, it's worth repeating time and time again, nobody actually sees the world as it is. Now, it's not a bad idea for you to walk around and, see, and say that from time to time every day, maybe several times a day. I'm not really seeing this as it is. There's something more here. Just because I think I know who you are, I'm probably way off. My wife loves it when I define things and how we should act because I definitely know who she is and what she wants. She reminds me oftentimes that I've missed the mark again. But that's part of the challenge of being in relationship. And we do it in relationship at work, in relationship in casual relationships, in small groups, in our, in our, in our daily encounters with others, on the highway when people speed past us, whatever. We're always encountering moments that we define because it's more comfortable that way, we think. But think about the anxiety that it creates. We also create this anxiety because we have to control that moment by defining the moment. What would it mean to recognize we don't really see it as it is? We don't really understand the world as it is. And so we pay more attention. This is what I want to suggest to you is really present at this baptism. Let's see this next one. I like this next one. Isn't that a great image? <laughs> I love that image. I've got that image up at my office at home. <laughs> And I'm still the one on the right, by the way. <laughs> I haven't figured out yet how to get to the left side. But there's, there really is this, we think sometimes that if we stop and if we really practice being more present to really what's going on within us, as well as in our space, if we just take deep breaths and we pay attention to the silence and the stillness, we start actually recognizing something. We're attached to all sorts of stuff. The first time I started practicing meditation... I could not get all of the noise out of my head. I still have trouble doing that. After two minutes, I'm just all sorts of thoughts just keep rushing to my head. And I get frustrated. And I remember going once to one of my meditation sort of mentors and asking him about this. And I said, I'm doing it all wrong. And they said, no, 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 you're doing it exactly right. Except now, every time something comes into your mind, say hello and then say goodbye and then wait for the next thing. And say hello and then say goodbye and then wait for the next thing. Because you're starting to pay attention. You're starting to literally be mindful. And after a while, you'll get better and better at not making judgments and not being attached to things as much. Now, I'm still working at that. But I'm getting a little bit better. I can go a minute sometimes without really thinking about a whole lot of stuff. And it's kind of fun when that happens. So Jesus arrives, and everyone is already making up their mind around him. Everyone is already deciding. John is already deciding who he is and how we're supposed to be. Let's go to this next quote. Einstein said, The most beautiful thing that we can experience is the mysterious. It's the source of all true art. He to whom this emotion is a stranger who can no longer pause to wonder and stand wrapped in awe is as good as dead. His eyes are closed. So let me ask you as we go into this next season... Where is it that you have experienced awe? I mean, literally, just something that overwhelmed you, caught you up in the moment, and you suddenly realized, I hadn't seen this this way at all. 
this is amazing. Or you felt just lighter because of that moment. Where does that happen for you? Does it happen often? Did you realize not only is it neurologically good for you, you can actually do this on a regular basis? I'll invite the band to come up here because I want to share a quick little last story with you. One of the first stories I ever told when traveling to schools, there was a queen in the Far East long ago who decided to leave her kingdom to her four daughters. She was going to go off to find herself, find the meaning of life. She said, I'm just going to be on a, I'm going on a pilgrimage, and I'm leaving the kingdom to you. So she left. But before she left, she said, I'm going to give you each something. It's very special. I want you to hang on to it. Give it back to me whenever I return. Remember me by it, if you will. And so it wrapped up in a silk cloth to each one of them. She handed a small grain of rice. Each one took the grain of rice and thanked their mother. And then they wondered, why, why is this so special? But she said, I'll take it back from you when I get back. So when she left, the first one took the grain of rice and thought to herself, well, I will take care of it. And so she took it in the silk cloth. She put it in a crystal bowl, and then she locked it up with a lock. She knew it would be safe. The second daughter, she took the grain of rice, and she hid it in a small little silk purse and hid it under the, under the mattress where she knew it would be safe and no one would find it. Be there as long as it took until her mother returned. The third one, she took the grain of rice. She looked at it, and she thought, this is ridiculous, and she threw it out the door. <laughs> and she thought, what's a grain of rice? It's just a grain of rice, and it's easy to find. If, if, if my mom comes back and she's looking for a grain of rice, I'll go get one more. And so she forgot about it. The fourth daughter thought about it for a long, long time. Now, after some years, when the queen returned, she asked each of the daughters, what, what did you do with the gift that I gave you? And the first daughter rushed back to the room, got the crystal box, opened it up, and said, I, I took very good care of it. Here it is. And she gave it to her, and she took it back, and she said, thank you. It's lovely. Thank you. The second daughter pulled it out from underneath the mattress, gave it back to her mother. She said, thank you as well. The third daughter had disappeared for a moment, came back from the kitchen, and she handed her a grain of rice, and the mother smiled and said, all right, <laughs> thank you. The fourth daughter suddenly looked shocked. She said, I don't have it. I guess I was supposed to, I don't have it anymore. And the, and the queen said, well, what did you do with it? And she said, well, this is what I was thinking. I thought a grain of rice was a seed. So this is what I did with it. She took her mother to the back of the, of the palace wall where they could peer out over the palace wall and see the fields beyond where there were several rice fields now because she realized it was a grain of rice and if she would plant it, she could harvest more rice and then plant more rice and harvest more rice and plant more rice. And then that gift could actually feed the kingdom and any strangers that come by. Well, of course, as the story would end, you realize she was the one who then became queen after her mother had passed. The challenge I think we have is to recognize we are both grain of rice and field. We are both the gift and the giver in all of our moments. When John baptized Jesus, what that story was saying is, it's not sacred out there and now power is coming to take over. It's sacred right here and now power is in our midst. The power to transform the world is here and now. So the question for us is, how do we begin to prepare the field? How do we begin to allow this space? Because it's, it's a fallow time in reality in our world, right? I mean, in this time of year in our area, this is a fallow time. Winter, things are kind of laying dormant. But how often do we take time to be still and literally think, 
what is it that means so much to me that I need to let go of so that it can grow? That's what we'll be thinking about for the next several weeks. Amen. It's crashing on the ground I can't see what's around me But soon I'll come around My faith is in the balance Of a million tiny words So I've returned to silence And if I see the sign in the sky tonight No one's gonna tell me it's a trick of the light May never come, but I'm willing to wait. What can I say? I'm a man of the faith. There's an ocean in my body. There's a river in my soul. And I'm the cry. It's time that I let go of the things I can't control. Now this path that I have taken is the only one that I know I've come so far to get here And I've got so far to go So I take what I can get And matters of the soul If I see the sign in the sky tonight The cry It's time that I let go the things I can't control uh, This path that I have taken Is the only one that I know uh, I've come so far to get here And I've got so far to go So I take what I can get And matters of the soul If I see the sign in the sky tonight No one's gonna tell me it's a trick of the light May never come, but I'm willing to wait. What can I say? I'm a man of the faith. There's an ocean in my body. There's a river in my soul. And I'm crying. And we are the dawn. And we carry the sun.
So um, I love that. There's an ocean in my body, a river in my soul. Talking about baptism. Baptism is actually a beautiful sign. Many of us have been baptized. It's a beautiful sign, but it is a sign of what's already there. We're already existing in the, in the ground of our being, in the ground of love and divinity and God's presence and love at the very heart of all things. So that's the challenge. This season of Epiphany is to connect with that in a way that creates, recreates our space. So I'm going to ask Ed to throw this last quote up here. The last one, Rebecca Solnick. I don't know if you've all read any of Rebecca Solnick, her writing. She's really worth reading. It's a fascinating essayist. So here we're, we're, going, to, we're going to say this together, but instead of it saying you, I want you to say I. All right? It's going to be a little mental challenge here, but every time you see the word you or making yourself, you would say making myself. And I might as well do it with generosity. So let's say this together using the word I, and this will be our benediction. Every minute of every hour of every day, I am making the world, just as I am making myself. And I might as well do it with generosity, kindness, and style. Amen. <laughs>